Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with writer, director, producer Marie Clements and one of the actors from her new film, Red Snow, Musta Jamalta. We, we talk about this film. We talk about uh, why why Marie uh, and Musta is, is a big deal as well. And I hope I, I got a smile out of uh, both of them if they're listening. We talk about survival stories and the importance of metaphor and symbol and why snow matters so much, not only to this story, but frankly, to the future of the human race, if you ask me. We talk, we talk about what ways of seeing and about, about uh, being in the zone and about being a woman's rights activist and, and how, what it means to have a feminist father. And, and we talk about magic and poetry and how it plays out in, in the realism found in this, in this narrative film. And it's it, this is a, a beautiful lyrical poetic film. You're going to want to see this. You're going to. I, I hope you're going to stay tuned right till the end of the interview. We have a lot of fun, and we 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 talk about so many things. It seems to me that matter. We talk about the simple things that make us human, and and why why are there ten thousand words for snow, and what does that exactly mean? So uh, we we talk about war and, and and peace, and about bridging cultures and and a clash and cultures coming together and clash. And, 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 and why these types of questions, certainly during a time of COVID, are maybe in some way more relevant than uh, they were before. They've always been relevant for sure uh, to, to, to just kind of land and realize that we are, we really are all in this together and that there is similarity uh, through difference and that we have so much more in common than we, than we realize. Peel back a layer or two and what you'll find is we, uh, those things we have in common. So stay tuned. Coming right up, a wonderful interview uh, here in conversation that we had uh, about the film Red Snow with uh, Musta Jamalsta and Marie Clements. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. You can purchase a copy of my book, Real Changes Incremental, there through Amazon. I'd love it if you did that. 
and also facetofacelive.ca for for more information about my podcasting. We're well over 500 interviews. Sign up for the newsletter. We've got uh, quite a following now, and we're into thousands of downloads after, I I don't know, I think I'm in my seventh year of of podcasting, which is just kind of crazy talk, really, in in, in so many ways. So many conversations behind me, and I hope so many more uh, to come. And we seem to be more and more focusing on the uh, filmmakers and documentarians and, and storytellers and, and, and touching on this thing called empathy. And isn't that really what matters? So face-to-face-live.ca for, for a host of other interviews there. You can advertise with us. You can advertise in our newsletter on our website. We're getting thousands of hits every month. So stay tuned for that. And if you're interested, let me know uh, through through email and we can, we can uh, help you out. You can also advertise actually embedded in the interviews as well. So th- uh, think about that and, uh, and on the website too. Also, you can support uh, what we're doing here at Patreon. That's a really simple way of stepping in. I know I've done that for a few other people who are podcasting, a few other creators out there. Uh, even a few dollars a month can help as it uh, builds. And if you can't do any of that, which I totally understand, if you could leave us a, a review on iTunes, it would be worth, uh, it would be very similar to a donation, a donation of your time. A few stars and, and a comment or two would be lovely. Please, if you can, uh, we'd, we'd really appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family. And don't forget, we also appear on Rabble, Rabble. .ca where you can find uh, more bloggers and writers and thinkers and podcasters talking about news that really matters. News for the rest of us. That's on Rabble. So stay tuned. Coming right up, a fascinating interview about the new film, Red Snow. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here with us today to talk about a new film that's going to be available on Apple TV Canada and everywhere soon, we hope, but it's called Red Snow. Uh, it's an important film. It's a Canadian film. Um, and we have today with us uh, one of the actors from the film and the producer, writer, director. We have uh, Mushta Jamalsta with us and Marie Clements. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us, David. Thank you. Real, real pleasure uh, to to have you here, and and to both of you, congratulations uh, on the film. It's um, can can I can I say it's uh, it's it's a fascinating story, but it but it's also important. Marie, am I allowed to say that? Oh, it's it's always good to hear fascinating, <laughs> important in the same sentence, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's well, it's interesting, you know, because sometimes I'll watch a film like this, you know, and, and I, I hope you're you're going to be willing to share a little bit about the storyline, and you never quite know with writer directors, you know, where they want to go, and oh, do, you know, they're worried about tipping the audience too much before you know uh, people actually get to see it. I really am hoping people will enjoy the interview and step into it here with us today, but also, um, you know, reach out and and, and actually watch the film too. And it, and as I said, it's fascinating. It's a beautiful film too, by the way, stunning and lyrical and and poetic so and and i love how you use snow in so many different ways and maybe maybe that might be a nice way to step into the narrative side of of what red snow really is all about sure i mean uh just simply it's it's about a um a gwichin soldier uh from the arctic who ends up in afghanistan and is in an ambush uh, and taken hostage by the taliban and he uses his uh, upbringing in the north. He uses uh, memories of his family and his first love uh, to survive, and ends up um, I don't know coming uh, having to understand that to survive in a certain in and where he's at in the moment of this film uh, that he has it brings him closer to a Pushtun family, um, the translator who betrayed him uh, and got him in the situation. Uh, they have to come to terms with each other. And by doing so, um, they're, they're working to survive. Would, would you say that 
this, you know, you, you said, it sounded to me like you almost said it was a survival story. I don't think you actually used those words, but how, how would you describe this, you know, and you know, that classic 30 second elevator speech, which I've never really liked, by the way, I studied philosophy for years and I'm, I usually use way too many words to say one very simple thing, but anyway, um, how, how would you talk about red snow? I mean, to me, it's about family. It's about crossing cultures and, and listening to others and similarity through difference and so many wonderful layered things, but I'd love to hear from you what the thematic sort of points of reference, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, a part of it was, was looking at um, how as indigenous peoples, um, how we can and how we have, um, used our identity uh, to help mm-hmm. us survive, you know, the many wars, um, not only in this country, but uh, the wars uh, worldwide. And uh, it was just a, a really kind of um, an opportunity, a bit of grace to be able to look at um, in- Indigenous peoples from Afghanistan uh, and have them look at Indigenous peoples um, from Canada and kind of really compare and uh, see what what reflected, you know, what what we saw in each other and what we didn't. So that was kind of one of the, the greatest gifts, really. There's some really great, beautiful moments where, to me, they're almost um, like acts of recognition. Where, uh, and I'm probably going to get his name wrong, but is it um, uh, the one of the Taliban soldiers? Is his name Ramiz? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. So there's that moment where he realizes that maybe he's not dealing with the American or the Canadian in the way he's been led to believe like the, the, this idea of stereotypes on, 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 on sort of both sides, if I'm allowed to polarize it in, in a way, Musa, I wonder if you could talk to that a little bit about that, that uh, those cultures clashing, if you will. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you mean about um, Ramiz not understanding that this person could be in fact, not, a Canadian or an English speaking person or, or, or a Christian, right? He says, you're a or Christian, Christian, right? <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, like question mark, right? You're, yeah, you're faithless. I mean, you're, what did he say? You're faithless or something. You're, faithless. you're, you're godless. Yeah. How could yeah, you possibly believe like, in anything else? Yeah. Um, the stereotype thing we have to understand and accept that it happens everywhere, you know, and, um, racism happens everywhere. Mm. I can tell you that I've come across really racist Afghans and, it's mind boggling because, you know, a lot of people just kind of focus on, on just a certain type of people being racist or a certain type of people being the victims of racism. But I think everybody is capable of both. And so with stereotyping and things like that, I just, and again, this movie is all about that. This movie is just to show that in the end, we're all human Mm. and we're all the same. And that's the amazing part about it. And it just, shows how people stereotype and it's completely wrong for them to do that so marie when you went uh when when you started to put this together and i'm sure this was a very you know classic labor of love i would think that a lot of filmmaking falls into that certainly for documentary filmmakers but but i would think in this case too do you go in saying i want to make a film or i want to tell a story about this and then you find you know when you're in that post post production you're sitting in the theater watching it and you're saying wow look what we wound up with you know if that that a to b that journey can you can you talk a little bit about that that creative process and where you started and where you wound up yeah i think what's um you know it's uh 
often uh, I find it's it's just a really great thing to be able to um, write something uh, that you know comes from a certain place, and then you know as a director to be able to execute um, that vision. And I think um, that kind of connection between the two, um, I guess, two eyes or two ways of seeing, um, often. Um, are at odds with each other, but mm. I think um, what you're really trying to do is execute what you what you saw on the page, and then what you see mm. before you. And um, I kind of love that that process because it's um, there's magic in it because mm. you've been writing for years on a scene or you know the whole feature really, and then you get to see it in real time, embodied in front of you with you know real breathing people um, that can tell the story. So. I think, you know, by the time you get to set and you're seeing uh, something that you've written for, you know, nine, 10 years, you're pretty, um, there's just, I think there's power in that. Mm. And so you're really trying to carve it to uh, everything that you dreamed and everything that you worked uh, uh, and saw that the story could be. And I, I think that just, that continues, you know, um, you know, through the shooting process, obviously, and then into, um you know, into post-production and you're right. You, you do find different things and you, you find different realizations. Um, right. but I think you're always holding on to the story in a way that is, um, that is kind of integral and, and that was your responsibility in the beginning. And so I think that, you know, all the work really is to be responsible to, to the telling of it. Musa, was it was it different for you from from reading to acting and performing in it, and then and then and then seeing it on on the screen, uh, and I guess probably Q and A's afterwards at some of the, the 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 festivals that you probably appeared at. But how 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 much of a leap was that for you? Ah, uh, for me, that was probably one of the best experiences of my life mm. overall. I think just reading the script already got me in the zone. You know, right. so I read the script a couple. Actually, Marie approached me with the script quite early on oh okay before they had anything set up and I fell in love with the script to the point where I actually I wasn't an actor and I wasn't you know planning to go into acting once I read this script I was like I have to I mean and and I have to get enough practice and I have to be ready for this role so I got an agent I got into it I, I got into the whole acting thing and started auditioning started uh, mentally preparing myself for this role because it was so important to me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a woman's rights activist. I grew mm. up with a feminist father. Uh, and now there's this dream role that came to me by Marie, the amazing Marie. And um, I had to do my part, you know, to, to really do well in it or as well as I possibly could. So I'm glad she came to me early on because I had that time to prepare. I had that time to play smaller roles here and there and learn the business. And, you know, I didn't want to disappoint Marie Clement. I mean, she's a big deal. So she trusted me to play this role. Yeah, I think I need to, I need for Marie to respond to she's a big deal. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, I think it was, it was such a, um, I mean, to me, uh, when I met Mushta, I really did feel that I, uh, I'm, I saw Katira. And, mm, nice. Um, and so that's always, you know, a, a crazy thing when you go, oh, um, I cannot see anybody else in this role. Um, and to me, she embodied everything that I that I loved about the character um, who was, you know, 
uh, resilient and strong and beautiful and uh, had a had a will um, mm. to survive um, despite uh, what was before her. So I think um, those, you know, the character and, you know, uh, Musa just kind of uh, became one in my mind. And I think I think that that is really well. Um, we see that in the film. We see that. I think in the beginning, uh, Marie was, uh, and I, I told you, Marie, remember, I was like, I'm not an actor. And you're like, no, but you, you would be perfect for this role. I was trying to convince Marie, like, there's other actors, you know, that, I mean, other people that could right, actually right. act. And, yeah, and why, I why are you picking just... me? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 I'm the director. Like, you're fine. <laughs> That's like, right. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm a big deal. Is that what she said to yeah. you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, God. She's so <laughs> humble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a that's awesome. you have to come my way no I did not do that <laughs> Musa, you, Musa you said when you were talking about you know reading the script you said get me in the zone so so woman rights activist feminist father I want to talk I'd love to hear more about that your your book voice of rebellion tell us about that what what do you mean by getting you into the zone I mean obviously as an actor and saying wow this is for me but it sounds like there was more going on here than meets the eye I think it I think the entire thing was just the universe and it was magic. I can't even explain what it was, the feeling to just like when I read that script, I mean, when I got into singing, people were like, Oh, you need to act too, you need to act too. And every time I brushed it off, I was like, No. I got approached with scripts and there were um roles that were brought to me by other, you know, some other directors here and there. And they were very weak characters. And right away I would read like the first page and I'm like, nope, I just read my lines and be like, no, this isn't, this isn't how I want to get into acting if I do. Um, right. And then all of a sudden I, I get Marie, like I get a message in my Facebook inbox and I get, I get hundreds a day. Right. So I'm, wow. I'm looking randomly and then out of all of them, I filter, my eyes filter out and I see Marie Clements and I knew who she was because she's a big wow, like cool. I said, and so I was like, oh, this is a prank. Somebody's pulling a prank on me. So I opened right. the page. And even though I was already a successful singer, I'm still thinking there's no way Marie Clements is going to message me. So I open it and still I'm hesitant. And then I'm like setting up a meeting with her and I'm still like, this is a joke. This is a prank. It's like one of those TV things where they're going to, you know, put the camera on me and laugh later. Um, and I show up and it's Marie. She's sitting there and she shows me the script and I read like the first page and it's so poetic. It's so magical. It's so amazing. And I'm just drawn into it. And yeah, like right away, I I dedicated my time and myself into this film because I believed in it so much. And it's just like, it's beautiful. Um, it's be beautifully written. It has so many different meanings. It's so poetic, like you said earlier. And I just had to be a part of it. I'm so grateful. I'm still so grateful that she chose me <laughs> every day. And I remember being on set and realized like, just, yeah, like you said, just to, see it all come together and so mm. you're reading the script and now you're seeing everyone and you're seeing the characters and and the settings and everything and it's so surreal it's so magical and I was trying to take in every moment of it because I knew how special this was mm. wow that's beautiful that's cool um Marie, I, uh, just a little aside, and maybe you can talk about the practicalities of this. This isn't really the question I want to ask, but as uh, Musta was talking about, you know, the, the sets and so on, you, how did you make the Northwest Territories look like Afghanistan, by the way? So that, that's a little aside question, but I am interested from a practical sort of logistical perspective. That's really interesting to me. But I really also want you to talk about snow. 
There's just something so beautiful and profound and simple and poetic about the uh, snowfall. And we start in snow, I believe, and we end in snow and we talk about new beginnings. And I'd love you to to tell us a little bit more about where that came from and, and sort of what you maybe had in mind. Yeah. Um, and the, the good news is that we didn't have to make, um, we shot in Yellowknife uh, and in a small mm. community called Dada. And uh, the film community and the communities up there just kind of uh, wrapped uh, their arms around us. And we were able to, you know, uh, shoot uh, in, in a weather that was, um, I don't know, I, I always love to think I'm exaggerating, but uh, the other producers up there say, no, you weren't. It was minus 51. So Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. I've been cold. I've been about minus 38 and I've been to Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar. That was cold. Uh, but minus 51, that you got me beat. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, uh, we were laughing at uh, Mujda and, and some of the other actors that came up for, I guess, the last scene in the movie. And uh, I think, tell them what you were wearing on your feet. <laughs> Did you really have to go there, Marie? <laughs> They're always teasing me about this because I was wearing like high heeled boots. You know, there's like <laughs> the fancy high heel boots that do not cover anything. And then my jacket, I took the thickest jacket I had. I mean, really living in Vancouver, kind of, you know, the thickest, heaviest jacket you'd have is still not heavy enough for even like Toronto weather, let alone the north, you know, mm. the north. So I'm wearing this white jacket with this ho hoodie and I get there and we're going for a walk. And after a minute of walking, I feel like I'm about to faint. And they're wrapping like fur around me. And I'm going, no, I don't want fur. And they're like, well, if you don't want fur in the north, then you're going to die. This isn't Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. Okay, stop pulling the whole Beverly Hills. I don't want fur thing. It, is, it doesn't work here in the north. And it was just. Yeah, who who is this so... diva? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want fur. No. <laughs> like you're going to die. Oh, she was in the fur pretty fast after that. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I bet. Talk about the practicalities, eh, of, of being on set. Wow, 51 degrees. That's crazy talk. It's really cold. I mean, wow. Yeah, and then we we shot uh, um, the interior of BC, Kamloops and Cache Creek and uh, Ashcroft for for Afghanistan. Hmm. That's uh, and and again, it was the extreme. It was literally, I you know, plus 36 degrees. Yeah, eight forty. It was so hot. It was. <laughs> So we had both experiences and it kind of, it really did um, in many ways, you know, follow the journey of, of the film, like mm. the narrative itself. We were, sure. you know, walking and climbing hills and rocks and, and uh, we wouldn't let her wear her high heels. It was <laughs> <laughs> So were, was she wearing we're, those? Was she wearing those high heels in any scenes that were actually shot where we don't no, see her feet? No, no, that's. I was just because <laughs> that say, would have been really funny. Yeah, <laughs> they did the complete opposite to me. I was like constantly they're like she's not dirty enough. Put more dirt on her. You know, they had like the fake, um, the fake dirt, um, and then like my outfits were all baggy and man outfits and turbans and stuff and guns and it was just so opposite of how they saw me in the north. You know, wearing those. Right. boots and my heels 
when, when you mentioned high heels, Marie, I actually thought in a scene and I would think that all the folks on the cameras and behind them would, would be having to keep their, you know, like, how, how would you not break out laughing if that was the case? But anyway, <laughs> so it sounds, sounds like <laughs> you had that one covered. Yeah. Tell us about, tell us more about the snow, the metaphor, the, the, the new beginnings, the footsteps, we've got blood in the snow, red snow. I mean, it's just, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, it, it it came from um, the character of Asana, who's a a, a young a young girl uh, in the north. Uh, she's an evaluate, and she's uh, Dylan's first love, and so it really came out of her uh, kind of her imagination that she was collecting mm. words for snow, uh, and uh, you know, way back when I I think it, you know early 1900s there was a an explorer that went to the north and and there's a big mythology around it that there was 10,000 words for snow. Right. And so this young girl is collecting her words for snow in her own language and um and I I kind of love the idea that that even though she she leaves um she uses those words for snow to protect him and protect this new family. So she's able to create kind of um, a storm of snow, a storm of words that um, will allow them to have potentially a new beginning. Well, I, I so love how, how, and I don't think we're going to give too much away here by talking about the snow at the end and, and how you kind of wrap things up in a sense and this idea and this beautiful, beautiful uh, image of snow falling upwards. And for me, that's just, it's so about about stepping back and, and, and turning it upside down, I guess, in a way. And isn't that what we're going to have to do in order to get to a different place? Forget about COVID for the time being, even though we're all kind of in this together. Let's hope that that sticks with us, right? When we're talking about others and so on. I think, I mean, isn't that one of the messages of Red Snow that, you know, and I think sort of circling back to, you know, that, that what, what was that? Aman, he's the translator. He's betrayed, right, through translation. I thought that was really interesting too, you know, from, from, a, from a language perspective and a philosophical sort of notion. But this idea that we, others are really just mirrors of ourselves, speaking different languages, coming from different cultures, et cetera. How do, how do we get on the same page? You know, and I, I wonder, is that a question that kind of drove you as you wrote the script for, for Red Snow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, um, in the beginning, I was looking at these these two cultures uh, from opposite sides of the world um, uh, that had survived, you know, many wars um, mm. with so much grace. And, you know, you come to understand that, that yes, uh, you know, one, people are more than one thing. Uh, and two, that that we have more in common than we have um, that are that is different. You know that we that we right. as people um, we have more in common, and I think um, we're you know we're really fighting for our people to survive in a good way. Uh, we're really fighting for the things, the simple things that keep us human. And I, you know, I, I think a lot of us are on the same page, um, hoping. Uh, <laughs> hoping that for the world, you know, for all, all people, not just some. The simple things that make us human. Did Aman say something to the effect of near the end of the film, being a human costs? Yes. Yeah. Is that the line? Yeah. There's, there's a certain, there's a certain risk taking in any kind of a relationship. Is that, is that where you were going with that? 
Yeah, I, I think there's a there's obviously a risk in relationship, but also there's a risk in doing the right thing. Right. And um, oh. there's so many amazing lines in in that movie. I just it, like it gave me goosebumps. I mean, even watching it, you know, again with with the screenings and stuff. Every time I watched, I watched it uh, in the screenings. Like I understood more and more of the lines. Mm. You can't just watch it once. Right. You got to watch it like you got to watch it over and over again to really understand the full meaning behind it. And I still haven't gotten to. Yeah, to really. To, I think that's so true. Right. I mean, any great book is worth going back to. Any great film exactly, is worth going yes. back to. And you, you always peel back layers. I mean, yeah, I've I've uh, having now spent about five, six years really diving in. And, you know, I, I, I'm a note taker now when I watch movies. Right. Wow. And because I'm prepping for for, you know, my interviews and you just go, holy smokes, I never saw that before. And, yeah. and look at that and look at that look connection. That. And gee, I wonder if that was intentional. You know, yeah, I love that. Exactly. I love the the connecting the dots. But you're right, Musto, about the so many great lines. I love the extreme beliefs change the true face of God. I mean, it's you know, oh, you didn't. Yeah. You, I love how Ramiz says to 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 um uh to to Dylan, you didn't ask me my name. So good. Oh, so yeah. important. Like for me, that was like that's the film in the nutshell, right? In in a in a way. Hey Musta, tell tell me a little bit more about your activism. And 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 you're a you're a teacher in this film, and uh, I think. Uh, or are you the <laughs> yeah. daughter are you the daughter of a teacher? No, you're a teacher yeah, too, right? I am a teacher too. Yeah. 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 So um, talk talk about that. Talk about women, talk about empowerment and girls' education and and tell us about maybe maybe, I don't know if your book is connected to this or not, but 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 voice of rebellion. Um, I think Everything I am is connected to this. <laughs> like Marie said, she right. knew me before before even I knew myself. She was just convinced. She's like, no, you are this character. Like I, I've seen character. your work. And so for years, like like I said, my father, a feminist, I grew up under his influence. He's my hero. He's the person I look up to. And all he wants is e equality between men and women. Mm. And he can't mm. believe that in this century that we're living in, there's still this huge gap. And yeah. not just in Afghanistan or, you know, these third world countries, you see it right here and you see it in the States and you see it in um, first world countries. So it's unacceptable. And, you know, this is how I grew up with this really strong man um, and, and my mom as well, both of them very strong people. So I grew up like that and I wanted to do something for Afghanistan and I wanted to do something for its people. And of course, in our culture, girls are not allowed to do what boys do in, in Afghanistan and certain parts of the region girls are made to sit home and prepare to be a good wife to somebody. My parents did the complete opposite to me. They're like, you're going to be the voice for a woman. You're going to go out there and you're going to stand up for a woman and you're going to make a difference for women in Afghanistan and other parts of the world. And so just having the opportunities, being here in Canada, being able to, you know, have all these opportunities, I took advantage of all that. And I like, I mixed journalism, political science, philosophy, and music and I turned it into, you know, the ability to like fight for women's rights. Uh, I had, I, I got an offer to do my own talk show in Afghanistan where we were talking about taboo subjects that were never brought up, even wow. within the household. Um, people were freaking out, but at the same time, there were so many people that were supporting this. Um, my music, like writing lyrics, uh, being the first person to write protest songs for women and women's rights. These were all things that had never happened in Afghanistan because no, nobody has nobody had at that point allowed their daughters to do that 
And so here's my dad pushing me to do it. And so um, it, it led to a whole bunch of success. I got a chance to perform at the White House, the same protest song for Afghan women. I was asked to perform for President Barack Obama and uh, First Lady wow. at the White House. Um, it's called Afghan Girl. And then, um, yeah, and then I got a book offer. I, I, I got a book deal and it got released. It's called The Voice of Rebellion. Basically, it's my biography. And they asked if I wanted to write it or if I wanted, you know, somebody else to write it. And I said, I prefer somebody else write it because I'm not ready to write my own story. And so mm-hmm. um, it was written by Roberta Staley, uh, really well written. And I'm, you know, I'm just two major things that happened to me in my life was Red Snow. And this all released at the same time, Red Snow and my book released at the same time. So the publicity and the, you know, it was just probably one of the best years of my life. Absolutely. So, so like, Hey, you're, you're kind of a big deal too. She's, she's me? a big yeah. deal. <laughs> she's not next to Marie. Are you kidding me? That's so funny. We've got this little fight going on here, but who's, who's, who is the bigger deal? Yeah. This is, the, this is the fundamental question coming out I of our podcast. I hope I can be like today. Marie one day. I mean, I look up to her. We all aspire to that. Mushta. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so cool. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, I have a question about your mom and dad. Why, why, why them and not somebody else? I mean, why were they so, why is your dad a feminist? I mean, why so supportive of you pushing back against the status quo? I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, there must've been a talk about risk. There must've been a, I mean, death threats maybe. I mean, you must've had some pretty crazy moments. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. A lot of attacks. I was the punching bag because I was the first girl to make a song after 30 years of war and you know it came out and they specifically said we don't want you sitting there like wearing the hijab and standing still because there are you know our culture's against dancing now it's like very islamic and very strict now so no dancing for women especially on stage and especially in front of the camera all that they made me do all of it they're like you're gonna dance Mm. you're gonna dress like a little provocative you're gonna do this and that um just to stir people up and they're like we want because Afghanistan was not like that. You know, there was a point where the Shah, the king of Afghanistan during the monarchy actually forced everyone to remove their hijabs at one point. Right. And so very like the forced women, it was it was almost like during the Russian invasion or the Soviet invasion, they were coerced into like they had to go to school. Women, girls and boys had to attend school. And so there were all these things that were um going on in Afghanistan and progressing the country and all of a sudden it went back to the dark ages. And so my parents were like, we want to show that we want to remind people of what Afghanistan once was before the war. And so they grew up in a time where there was peace and Afghanistan was progressing rapidly. And so they kept that. They didn't change their ways. And so Afghanistan was forced to change. But their mentality stayed that way. They stayed you know, the same. progressing and right. moving forward. And so they they showed people that through me like through their daughter, which was amazing. I, I just love them for that because it's gotta, be, gotta be pretty hard for a parent to go there as well to, you know, to, 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 to still be supportive, you know, well, the and, death threats and stuff yeah. like, scared my mom a lot. No kidding. I <laughs> but, guess so. But they're like, somebody has got to do it. You know, when you, right. when you want right. to make a change, you got to be the change and you got to, you got to make that move and not, I, you know, Moose, it's, it's amazing. And congratulations on all of the above and the book Thank and everything. So but much. I just, I'm always so um, blown away, I suppose. And that's really talk about us oversimplification, but just moved by folks who step in 
and who have the, the the courage and the passion and the commitment and the intention to say, you know what, no, this isn't acceptable. You know, with things need to be different. And so, if if that's going to happen, I'm going to be have to be the I'm going to have to be the prime mover here on this one. Exactly. You know, and and accept <laughs> uh, all that comes with it. That's right. And it's accept not all pretty. that. That's right. And this, this is, this is the risk, it seems to me. And, 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 uh, but I don't, I personally don't see any other way. I really don't. No, and this is why there is no other way. You have no. to put yourself in that position. You're not going to get any change. You're not going to make any difference. You're not going to see any difference unless you put yourself in a, like a difficult position where you're outside of your comfort, comfort zone. There's a, there's a beautiful film, uh, Marie. I don't know if you've seen it or, or uh, Musta, uh, called "A Flickering Truth." It came out a few years ago. It's a documentary film all about the Afghani film industry, essentially. And, and it's it's a doc, New Zealander, Pietro Brett Kelly. I think I'm just pulling this up out of memory. I, I could punch it up quickly, but it's it's all these. It starts with all these old um, 16 millimeter reels, and she goes back and interviews folks. And and just as you were talking, we still a little bit about the past and about the Shah and so on. The 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 pictures of dancing and 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 the entertainment scene and that there was an art scene, right? Yes. And it's, huge. anyway, it's a beautiful film. I really recommend you looking into it. It's called A Flickering Truth. I, I'm just uh, going to jot yeah. it down. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, Pietro Brecchelli is her name. Um, Marie, I want I want to go back to the snow. I love snow. I, my problem is I love snow for about a week and then I'm done. And then I want and then I'm just like, can we get back to the spring, please? Um, but but you you know snow for you brings love um again i want to say this falling upwards notion is just absolutely beautiful and brilliant and and then you you have this phrase about snow falling between two, two worlds is that can i ask you if that's a motivating factor for you is that a is that a driving factor of you know just coming riffing off of this notion of change and of stepping in is is it about building bridges you know, that kind of supposes there's only two places, but I think there, I think, I think, I hope, I hope you know what I mean by the question. Yeah, I think, um, I, I do think it's, it's about, um, working towards people connecting versus, mm. uh, um, I, I think in the world we're presently in, um, we can see, we can see what, um, uh, people separating looks like the damage. Um, right. we can see the tension and, and the violence and, um, you know, what that does to us as human beings that are supposed to know better. Um, right. you know, that's <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to know better? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and, you know, in all our worlds, I think, you know, we're looking to make a better place for our kids. We're looking to understand that, you know, we have to be, it doesn't take sophistication to understand that no matter you know, what color a person's skin is, um, they're still human, you know? Um, so I, I think we're all working, you know, in different ways and, you know, uh, activating change, uh, you know, through music as Marsha also does, but also activating through story, through features, through, through any way that we can. And I think it takes a lot of people to come together and keep saying the same thing over and over um, and, you know, trying to make people feel uh, you know, so that they can, that so that their hearts can understand, you know, something bigger. Mm, nice. S sadly, we are going to have to wrap it up here in, in, in about, a, I think, a minute or two uh, at the most. I just, I think I have one last question. I mean, I've got way more than one last question, by the way, just <laughs> so you both know. And I, I love these types of interviews where I hope you guys are feeling the same way. I feel like we oh, just absolutely. barely, we barely started, you know. Um, <laughs> 
can you talk a little bit about the past, about trauma? Uh, you know, as 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 you were uh, speaking a bit earlier, I, I thought of a, a film last year, Falls Around Her, Darnell Nepons' film, which I think Tintu Cardinals in as well. And and there's this this traumatic sort of PTSD like sort of intergenerational traum, traum, traumatic sort of edge to it. I felt that right out of the gate with your film that this is this was going to be a sort of an underlying theme for the whole film, but not, but certainly not on the surface. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of people hold trauma um, in their bodies, you know, either, mm. either mm. ones that we've um, faced ourselves or ones that our ancestors have faced. Um, and I, I think that's just a truism. You, you know, you can't, you can't survive some of the atrocities uh, that have um, befallen a lot of indigenous peoples and, mm. and not also carry um, that knowledge. Yeah. Embodied trauma. It's uh, it's, it's an unsettling thing. And I think, I think, I mean, it's like anything, right. I'm, I'm, I've in the last few years have been seeing more and more uh, I think narrative and, and certainly doc film around, around this notion. I've, I've not heard the phrase embodied trauma too often, I don't think, but this idea that, that we really need to come to terms with the past and what, and what, what are those implications? It's not just about somebody saying sorry or, 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 or that type of reconciliation. This is about, this is actually about listening. And I think, I think that's where I was going with the snow and the building of the bridges and so on. And it's what I, why I think it's just so wonderful that you were able to pack so much of that into a beautiful narrative film. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's, been great to talk and and hear most uh and and yeah it's always you know amazing to hear people's re- reflections about yes about- i'm sure it must be pretty weird being on the other side yeah when yeah. you know like those q a's and so on uh, Mojda, uh, can you tell us where to get your book uh amazon.com amazon.ca uh all the bookstores indigo chapters voice um, of rebellion yes anywhere in the states canada and the uk and um Anywhere else in the world, like basically through um, ebooks and Audible. There's no excuse not to own a copy of this book, is basically yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, what a pleasure talking to you both today. You I thank too, you so David. much for your time. Um, I, I, we've been talking thank with Mushta so Jamazda and, and Marie Clements about, about their new film, Red Snow, uh, available on uh, Apple TV Canada. Also, uh, the original soundtrack is available on iTunes. So, And don't forget the book, Voices of Rebellion. Thanks to you both for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, so you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.